Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Sylvia Doss is a strategic advisor with Open Circles, Inc., helping employees to actualize their potential with health through data-driven strategies and analysis. I'm excited to have you on and finally a guest on Money Savage Maximize. Welcome, Sylvia. Thank you, George. Yeah, This is George Grumbacher, and it is time to go. Sylvia, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Okay, well, we'll start with my personal life. (laughs) I live out here in San Francisco. I've lived in California my whole life, um, between L.A. and San Francisco. And my work has always been working with organizations on health. And generally, it's large and it's global organizations. What I'm doing now, and this, this has really gotten kind of really focused, is I work with companies to actualize their employees' potential with health, and data-driven strategies. And what that means is, it's like, how can we have a healthy bunch of employees, and I just don't mean healthy in terms of the physical health, but mental and emotional health. Like, how can we have this healthy bunch of employees who are actually able to move the, um, the mission of the company forward? And, you know, uh, we've all had days when we've shown up at work and just haven't been our best been tired or stressed or you know whatever it is and we just don't do our best work so you know the way companies can really move forward their mission and do it in a time of high innovation in both a national and global setting is to have the people who are doing the work and coming up with the innovation to really be into it nice amen and i think it it seems like uh while COVID is obviously presenting us with a lot of challenges and a lot of negativity. Um, I think it's also potentially a time to be really examining how to help uh, people to become more resilient. And that's not just the physical to your point. It's also dealing with the mental and the emotional aspects of, 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 of life. Yeah. Um, you've, you've, you've been at this work um, for, for, for a little while. Do you see that, that, that people are now more comfortable having conversations about about uh, mental health? Yeah, I do. You know, there's always been this question of whether it was a stigma or not, but I think people are more comfortable with it. And gosh, particularly in this time of pandemic, which on top of that, we're in this period of, of this racial injustice, people have have become much more open to it. Um, You know, I've participated in a couple of surveys with a couple of large organizations. And the question was, how much has the pandemic impacted your well-being? And about 70% of the people felt that there was an impact to their well-being. And then there was a second question asked about how has the racial injustice impacted your well-being? And it's almost the same number. And so, you know, so this stuff is getting tiered on top of stress that people already had in their lives and stress that is coming out of the current environment. If that's taking care of children, caregiving, I mean, it's, it's escalated. It has 
definitely escalated. What an interesting and and sort of scary and um, just just a just a, a an important point that. 70% of people feel like they've been negatively impacted by COVID and then 70% also feel like they're being impacted by by um, by the racial injustice and everything else going on in the country on top of the fact that we were already having a hard enough time. So yeah. So uh, are, are, are companies uh, cognizant of this when, when, when you're bringing it to their attention? I know it's on a case-by-case basis, but um, people have to be like, okay, this is something that we now need to address. Yeah, you know, George, when um, we first went into more of a shelter in place, like in March, when, you know, we started really becoming, uh, um, you know, aware of coronavirus in this country, I believe that companies were just trying to figure out what do we do now? You know, are people working at home? Are they Mm -hmm. coming in? What's a safe environment? Um, It was just such a toss up, really. And I think right now we're starting to get to the point where, um, employers are able to ask the questions and start seeing what they can do and what's and and not just the little things you know because I think the little things have been put in place by a number of companies such as do our managers need more support because it's hard for them to take care of their well-being and actually look after their employees do we need to put in a caregiving program like quick do we need to have you know two hours a day when nobody's supposed to email and nobody's supposed to like talk to each other and just just allow people to think. Yeah. But now we're starting to think about more of the strategic direction because I totally believe that, you know, however we were running well-being over a year ago and however that was supposed to connect with the productivity of our employees is we're in a totally different place now. And, you know, I can't say for sure this is the absolute direction to go, but we're at a different place and it needs to be thought of in a very new and kind of open-minded way. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. And yeah, who, 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 who knows if we're in a totally different place or maybe if we're in the final place, it could be that, <laughs> that something else is going to totally happen next. Oh, Sylvia. So, but of course <laughs> yeah, that that's right. a bit of an awful joke that I just made. So we are in a totally different place and companies are, are recognizing that, that, that it's it's probably a, a good thing for them as a, a nice to do for the employees, but then sort of a half to do because we want our company to continue to be productive and our employees are the most important and integral part of that. So we need to make sure that, that we're supporting them so that we're supporting the mission. Right. So, right. so what is, 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 is there a blueprint? Is there a framework that, that, that you're really encouraging organizations to start thinking with? Yeah. So, um, and, and just something I, I want to mention just before that is that, um, you know, before we went into the pandemic, you know, as you've mentioned before, is that, you know, there was a lot of stress on people and people were already very distracted. In fact, um, there was a study done by the Institute of, Be- of Benefits, I think it's Benefits Enterprises, and they did a study and they found that the number, actually, I want to pull this out because I, I really want to quote this right. Yeah. They found that the cost of poor health to employers, and this was um, two years ago, was greater than the combined revenues of Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Netflix, eBay, and Adobe. Wow. So, 
I mean, and all these, you just think about those companies, those are very different co companies with very different cultures. I've, I have found over the many years that I've done this that companies, um, you know, generally try to take kind of a one-size-fits-all. There's a lot of solutions out there for employer health. And, you know, it's like, well, this one worked over here, so maybe it'll work over there. And most companies, I would say, have some type of well-being, which generally gets housed within the employee benefits realm and employee well-being realm. But for employees, just about 35% really engage in those options. And it's been that way forever. It's probably been that way for the last 10, 12 yeah. years that it's still been like 35%. So why aren't people engaging? And so my focus is we need to think about the organization, not HR. You know, we need to think about the organization, not that what is, what's an employee benefit program. And in thinking about that, we need to be very strategic. And I, I have a strategy that I use with companies that encompasses three things that I think are really important. Okay. Human-centered design, data visualization, and an agile process. And the human-centered design is it's a problem-solving approach. It, it involves really the human perspective, really all the way through the process. So now we're really asking people to not just come up with something and then push it, then implement it, but to really get into it, do a lot of brainstorming. I even do like some futures brainstorming. Like if you can kind of think about what you would need for your employees 10 years out, based on that, what would we be implementing right now? So all that can be part of it. The data visualization and I'm not just talking about data like a bunch of pivot tables. <laughs> <It's> right. like, <laughs> data needs to be in a way that anybody could take a look at a nice little chart graph, you know, and say, oh, I get it. And that has to happen all the way through the process so that we can start seeing what's going on and, and it makes it easy for people to relate to it. It makes it easy for senior members of an organization to look at one page look at a chart and say, ah, there's our issue. Ah, I see how you're impacting it. And the third thing is an agile process. And as you probably know, you know, agile is, is largely used in software development, but the process of it, you know, I think of it as more like small pilots with constant collaboration, you know? So in the times when I have put in programs with companies, usually, you know, we would do some of the, we would do a strategy and we'd come up with this great program. And let's say we were going to put in health coaches and we put it in throughout the whole organization. And then, you know, we're a year into it and it's not getting a whole lot of traction. And then two years we're like, well, maybe this isn't right. right. So with an agile process, you start to pilot some of it. Maybe it's not completely done when you pilot it to a company or you pilot it to a specific group of employees at a company. And you get feedback there so that you're not wasting your time on things that are broken, don't work right. And it also allows us to eventually come up with something that is going to be beneficial and is going to be helpful. I think that that makes a lot of sense right there. So... We talk about human human control or human central design, human control design, human center center he, design. Humans that so is 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 that sort of this is 
what we feel like we really so, sort of the thesis and then the data visualization and then the the agile process that is how we're actually tracking it and 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 and, and, and tweaking it along the way exactly exactly Got it. And with the human-centered design, you know, one thing I particularly use it, use it, and I even use it in, I teach a graduate course at a university here, I even use it in their different elements of it, is it's a way of bringing groups of people together. So if you have, a, you know, five people on your strategy team, and some are introverts, some are extroverts, some are, you know, real financial people, some yep. like you don't want to draw pictures. It has components that allow you to bring out the best in all those people, which allow us to get the best ideas. Nice. And that's certainly something that that as organizations are working to be more inclusive and obviously wanting people to be engaged and hopefully bringing people from different apartment or different departments and, and everything uh, together. I think that, that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, how hard is it is it to 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 come up with different, for lack of a better term, action items that your that an organization can really get their arms around? Or you know, it's it's everything. We 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 want to help people with mental health and physical health and financial health and everything else. But now it's just too much. How do you help yeah. people sort of narrow that down? Yeah. So. I like to think of it in this, there's there's three ways to first just start getting some groundwork on where we're at. And one is looking at data, health data, workers' comp data. Um, you know, maybe you have some pulse surveys that you've done with your employer group just to ask them some quick questions. The other way, and I'm not saying you have to have all three of these, but the other way is to talk to individuals. You know, how has your life changed from where you are right now and where you were a year ago. Um, what is there anything that we could do here at work that would make your life easier? Now, I just want to caution you. Most employees will say, I could use some more time off. Right. Right. But that, that's not always reasonable. But say, okay, we probably can't do more time off, but just during your work day, what would make it easier? Um, and the other one, which I always have thought of throughout my career as being my secret sauce, is who are those people in the organization who have such a great pulse for what's going on with the employee population that like they're the go-to people? And it could be the person who works, who's at the front desk, who sees people come and go every day and knows everybody in the office. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it could be anybody, but those people, we should know who those people are and say, Hey, what have you seen that's so different? You know, what are, what are you sensing with the employees? What do you think people need? And you can just go from there to then bring together. And this is like a real simple kind of grassroots way to do it. Take that information, put it together on a sheet of paper somewhere, get a group of people together, get three people together. If that's what you got and say, you know, let's pick one of these and let's see if we can come up with some kind of solution for our employees. And I always say, George, have have somebody in the group to come up with these off the wall, crazy solutions. I mean, I had someone, we were thinking like, how can we reduce stress with all these Zoom calls? And her thing was, I think, you know, you know, on Wednesdays, I'm gonna wear my wedding dress all day. Nice. You know, <laughs> but something, but, but we want people to think kind of out of the box that we tend to work in. 
want them to think very broadly. So you start throwing out some crazy stuff that makes people laugh, and usually that kind of opens it up. And you can go from there to just trying, like I said, using the agile process, start to pilot some little stuff and get some feedback on it. Yeah, yeah. How, and obviously everything's going to be dependent, but I, I, I love the idea of, of, of being agile and start with these small pilots just to figure out if it's something that that's, that's going to take hold. Okay. I mean, it's, it's one of those things we don't want to, we don't want to let go too quick and we don't want to hang on too long <laughs> to right. these. So I guess you're always just, always just taking the temperature. Yeah. Yeah. You basically are. You're always, you know, checking and asking, you know, and one thing that I've seen come up, um, actually a few times with a couple of clients I'm working with over the last few weeks has been particularly with respect to mental health, but having mental health providers who are diverse, (laughs) you know, and just having ones who having, um, providers who are people of color, having providers who are LGBT. And that's really started to come up a lot. And, it's interesting because these are companies that, you know, felt that they had a pretty robust mental health program, which they did in terms of numbers, but not really in terms of what people needed. So this is where when you start to ask people questions and ask a lot of people questions, those things start coming up sooner than later, not, you know, when we're at a crisis state. Yeah, that certainly does make sense. That certainly does make sense. And yeah, I mean, you want to meet people where they are in, in, in ways that are going to be actually effective. So whatever it is that's going to make somebody comfortable to, to raise their hand or to have a conversation or to engage in a healthy practice, whatever that might be, then going back to that at that agile and checking everything, just figure out yeah. what that is and, 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 and do your best to deliver on it. So exactly. Yeah. Invite people for coffee. Have, you know, even if you're on zoom, have zoom coffee. I love it. (laughs) Well, Sylvia, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So my difference-making tip is, you know, a lot of um, experts feel that we are in a mental health crisis. And I think everybody needs 15 minutes every day. And we need it personally. Our teams need it. Our companies need it. So I think generally there's this thought that how we need a lot of time to like meditate or to do all these things. It's like 15 minutes. I tell people 15 minutes, find 15 minutes, you know, and if you, if you're working at home, tell your family you're on a call for 15 minutes yeah. and just stay in there where it's quiet in your, in the room you're in and just be quiet for 15 minutes. Allow your team little extra downtime if you can. Can you throw in an extra 15 minute break a day where they can just go out and get some air, shut things off, close their eyes, but to really push like these little bits of time because often we don't have big chunks of time, but if we can get in some little bits of time, it's going to help us think clearer. It's going to help us feel better. We're going to have better relationships with people at work. You know, I think it's going to make it, it will make a, a big difference, even though it's just a little thing that costs nobody really any money. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets. Come on. Come on. 
And that's true of everything <laughs> in life, <laughs> Sylvia. It's it's oftentimes it's those little little things that have huge impacts. So I think that's excellent. Well, Sylvia, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Probably two places. One is then go to my website, and I am at Open Circles. That's what it is. Dot net. Or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm under Sylvia Doss. I love connecting with people, chatting with people. So, you know, feel free to find me there and, and make a connection. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Sylvia your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to opencircles.net. You can follow Sylvia on LinkedIn as well. It's Sylvia Doss, D-O-S-S. Thanks again, Sylvia. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.